Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz and I'm your host. And uh, firstly, apologies if you missed us last week. Um, we uh, didn't have an episode last week. I decided uh, I just needed a weekend away from the screen. So completely my fault and I do apologize, but we are back and we're proud to bring you episode 25. Now, before we get into the episode, um, just a shout out. If anybody has been on a cruise in the last couple of years and uh, they are willing to share their cruise review, we would love to hear from you. Um, simply jump on the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Uh, click on join the show and then send through the details of your ship and itinerary and then we can arrange a, a time to have a chat have a conversation and talk about uh, your recent cruise experience um, lots of people uh, in the pipeline over the next couple of weeks but i'd like to get more of you involved and the more the merrier and in today's episode, Chris will be joining us shortly to talk all things maritime history and cruise news. Peter will be joining us, and he's bringing five things that you probably shouldn't ask the crew. And then towards the end of the show, we're joined by a very special lady. Sue is a cruise director for the APT group, which includes APT, River Cruising, and of course, Travel Marvel. She lives in Vienna, and she's going to be talking about her career on the waterways and some of her favorite places that you should visit, and also a few tips for you along the way. But without further ado, let's get straight into today's show. And it's time to uh, welcome our good friend to the show for all things maritime history and cruise news, Chris Frame. Welcome back. Thanks so much, Barry. Great to be back. Yeah, we had a little rest for a week, uh, but we're back and full of beans and uh, ready to talk about how accommodation has changed over the years, first of all. Yeah, so that's a really interesting topic because I think so many people have kind of a romantic idea in their head as to what life must have been like sailing on the grand old ocean liners of days gone by. Uh, but, you know, even on, say, a ship like Titanic, which uh, was very well known at the time for being very luxurious with a very luxurious first class and her sister ship Olympic was, was of similar quality, 
um, even in first class, you wouldn't have had uh, necessarily as comfortable an experience as you would on a modern day cruise ship, even in um, the cheapest inside cabin. And that sounds like a little bit <laughs> extraordinary. You know, how could first class not be the greatest thing in the world? But it's because the the expectations for what passengers were going to have on um, passenger ships has changed so much over over the years. So if we were to look at those those early liners, say ships from the um, sort of first couple of decades of the 20th century, um, so thinking Titanic, Olympic, um, Lusitania, Mauritania, that sort of thing, um, even in first class, you didn't um, have, in, in most cabins, in fact, private bathroom facilities, for example. Um, so there wasn't en suites. There, was, there would have been a wash basin so you could wash your hands and splash some water on your face to keep your, yourself... Um, you know, refreshed and that sort of thing. But if you needed to use a toilet, if you wanted to have a bath or a shower, the majority of cabins, um, there were a few, there were some exceptions, but the majority of cabins, they didn't have those facilities in the room. So um, from a um, toilet perspective, there was uh, ladies and gents bathrooms and you would go down and, um, you know, use those in common areas. Um, but in terms of having a bath or a shower, uh, you would actually make a reservation with the bath steward. Um, who uh, used to look after bathrooms. So they were special rooms that were basically there as, as common-use bathrooms. But uh, you would have your appointment, and at the time when it was your turn to use the bathroom, you'd get a knock on the door, and the steward would, um, would escort you down to the bathroom. And then the bath had been run for you. You'd have uh, an allocated time that you could... Uh, use in the bathroom and then the the room would be cleaned for the next passenger to use Um, and that was uh, just the way it was done um, back in those early days now the very very luxurious uh, cabins the 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 suites or the most highly rated cabins on board they would have private ensuite but that was very very rare the other thing to think about is the I guess the creature comforts the experience that you would have uh, in your room and also uh, throughout the ship. So in first class, for example, um, whilst it was more spacious than uh, second and third, there wouldn't have been the same sort of level of um, climate control that we have now, for example. There wasn't air conditioning on these ships. Um, they were sailing on the North Atlantic, the ones I'm talking about, but the ones that came to Australia, for example, they were going through the tropics, so you didn't have the opportunity to put the air conditioner on. Um, the PNO and Orient Line ships, you could open the porthole um, in first class and get some fresh air that way, but um, you certainly couldn't um, adjust it down to the optimum temperature for sleeping or for relaxing, that sort of thing. Um, by the 20th century, ships had electric lighting, but the early steamships back in the um, 19th century, uh, up until the 1880s, they didn't have electric lighting. So you, even in first class, you were um, reliant on uh, lighting from uh, oil lanterns or candles, which of course is a huge fire hazard as well, but that's all they had at the time. Uh, yeah. And you know the the uh, connectivity as well today on uh, modern cruise ships. If you need anything, if you want to speak to the person, if you want to make a reservation, you just pick up the telephone and call. But um, in the early days, you had to walk everywhere um, or or speak to your cabin steward. And in fact, it was a great buzz uh, when uh, shipping lines started to utilize electricity on their ships in the 19th century um, and you could have an electric bell to call your steward or stewardess to come to your room <laughs> so yeah it's just um it's just interesting because of course things have changed so much technology's changed so much but you know even now there's like such a huge um 
I guess, focus on the, the nicest cabins with the, with the balconies and, and ocean view and all that sort of stuff. But even the inside cabins, the, the most basic grade of cabin, in many ways are more comfortable than the most luxurious first-class cabins might have been um, on those old liners, depending on how you, want to, um, how you want to look at it. So I thought that was quite an interesting little comparison. Yeah, I'm still stuck on making a reservation for a bath. Are you allocated <laughs> like a maximum of three for the duration of the cruise or can you take as many as you want? <laughs> uh, look, I mean, on, on first class, you had pretty good access to the bathrooms. But um, thinking about the different classes um, on the ship, if you're looking at third class where there was, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 passengers in some case, um, and if if you were on a well-appointed ship, you may well have maybe one or two bathrooms allocated to third class. Uh, there was very little chance that you were going to get a bath, and I suppose most of that was allocated towards people who might um, have a specific need. You know, there was um, uh, all sorts of uh, medical conditions that they had to look after on those on those crossings as well. Incredible, as always, Chris. Um, now, before we jump straight into the immediate cruise news, uh, on last episode, you uh, had your crystal ball out. You had spotted on Ship Tracker that a particular ship was heading to Turkey that uh, wasn't supposed to be there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, were your predictions right? Sadly, they were, yes. Uh, Imagination, a Carnival Cruise Line ship, she's one of the fantasy class, uh, 70,000 tonne ships that were designed in the 80s but built through to the 1990s. Um, Imagination has, in fact just been beached in turkey so she's joining um her sister ships inspiration and fantasy who are also already there being broken up uh and fascination is another fantasy class ship um and she has been sold uh again it's not 100 clear where she's been sold but there's a lot of chatter that she's going to end up um, in the same place uh, as um as we've seen with her her fleetmates. Now, the interesting thing about Fascination is that she's actually had the refit that included the addition of balcony cabins. And mm-hmm. um, so she would be the first of the ones that has been upgraded to, to have been sold. So, look, I mean, fingers crossed, maybe she might end up um, somewhere else. But, uh, you know, if you look at past, uh, past movements on the fantasy class, it may well suggest that she's also going to join her sisters in a few weeks' time. We'll uh, we'll check back in in a couple of weeks and see if uh, your prediction's right with that one as well. Now, keeping with the the theme of uh, cruise pauses and extensions and things, uh, mm. the Royal Caribbean and Celebrity also had an announcement this week. Yes, that's right. So it's actually an announcement that's specific to um, Australian and New Zealand sailings, and that's uh, both Royal Caribbean and um, its sister brand Celebrity will be um, suspending their sailings further. Uh, this time through to the end of the year, 31st of December 2020. So we won't be seeing any um, RCI or celebrity cruises in our local waters uh, for the rest of this year. That's right. We've still yet to hear about uh, Azamora at this stage, but I did also read Mm. in uh, the trade press this morning that there is still a chance that ships might be back in January. They are currently speaking to government and... There's, uh, they've really got about another five weeks to get the approval, and if it doesn't come in the next five weeks, they won't have enough time to bring the ships out of the layup and to recrew and reprovision. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a ticking clock to uh, to try and get at least part of a summer season for for the east coast of Australia as well, um, which kind of lends into the fact that Carnival Australia has also extended its pause. Yeah, but this one actually um, was a bit of a, a bit surprising, in fact, because it's a bit longer than what some of the other um, cruise lines have been doing with their pauses. So, uh, Splendor has been its December and January voyages have been cancelled, 
so that was the larger of the two carnival ships that's been uh, visiting Australian waters up until the cruise pause. But uh, Carnival Spirits cruises that were um, scheduled out of Brisbane have actually been cancelled all the way through to the um, June of 2021, so mid-next mid year. Um, so that's, you know, quite a lot further than January. But as you say, Barry, maybe if um, if those, those stories that you were reading were correct, perhaps they might introduce new itineraries if those markets are able to open up again. But at the moment, uh, it doesn't look like there'll be carnival sailings um, until yeah. well into 2021. Yeah, Carnival Spirit's supposed to go into dry dock um, at some point in the earlier part of next year. So mm. maybe that dry dock has been delayed a little bit, and they're just thinking, well, we'll, we'll reintroduce her when dry dock is actually completed. That's well, a nice um, way to relaunch her, I suppose, once she's been once she's been given her dry dock. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, staying with the Carnival Corporation, P&O UK, um, they've also extended their pause. Yeah, this one isn't really much of a surprise because um, P&O UK uh, operates out of Carnival uh, UK, which also operates Cunard. And so Cunard's pause was announced a little while ago through to the beginning of next year. And so the same thing's happened now with, uh, with P&O UK. Um, the British cruises um, are actually paused through um, a little bit later than anyone who was planning to travel um, with P&O in the Caribbean. So the Caribbean uh, voyages will pick up again from January of next year, whereas if you're uh, planning a British cruise, it's uh, a little bit later through to the end of um, February. So, uh, and again, like if you're booked on P&O UK and you're wondering about exactly what's happening with your voyage, they do have quite a detailed list of what's happening with each ship on their website. Um, and that's the P&O UK website, not the Australian P&O website. So just make sure you go to the right one, yeah. um, which will allow you to see what, what each of the different ships how they're going to each be affected. Yeah, no, good advice. Now, a little closer to home in more positive news, uh, Coral Expeditions are going to restart um, only next month. Yeah, that's great news for uh, um, small ship cruising. So Coral Expeditions, uh, Coral Discoverer, um, which is uh, a 2005 built 1800 tonne ship, so quite a small ship, four decks, about 72 passengers. But she'll be doing a series of seven night sailings um, from Cairns, um, with the first of those planned to kick off on the 14th of October. So um, that'll be a really nice opportunity. And again, small ship cruising, we've seen a number of different uh, small ship operators restarting. Um, uh, so it should be a good way to to get the market going again in Queensland. Yeah. Now, staying with the small ship theme as well, um, Penant, they've got two announcements this week. The first one, they've actually been ranked the most environment, sorry, ranked the most environmentally friendly cruise operator. Yes, by a, a, an organization called NABU, or Nature and Biodiversity Conservation Union, um, which is, I believe, based in Germany. Um, and they rank the ships on eight indicators. And Penant has actually managed to um, achieve seven of the eight indicators, which um, makes it noticeably the um, highest performer out of, out of the list that you can see there. But other cruise lines that are um, performing well, um, according to this particular uh, ranking uh, includes uh, Aida, MSC, and Hapag Lloyd. So um, some European brands there that are that are doing um, better than than most of the other cruise brands in terms of their environmental uh, footprint. Yeah, and uh, Penance Le Boreal um, managed to uh, make its way um, up into the eighty fifth degree north. It did. So it's um, sailing on a fact finding mission, as um, Penant as uh, as putting it. Basically, they're recording the. The thickness and the coverage of the ice because um, 
you know, I suppose this is uh, this is good news off the back of bad news because you know, with the ice caps uh, melting in the northern hemisphere, it does uh, present environmental challenges, but it also opens up um, some pretty interesting uh, voyages for the future. Uh, and I believe that their um, newest ship, which is an environmentally friendly LNG powered ship, um, the Commandant Chakot, I think its uh, yep. its name is. Um, they're going to be doing voyages into the northern regions as well in the future. So um, I think this is just a bit of a, um, a look at what's to come, but also to get some sort of first-hand data on how the ice is um, are moving and performing up in the in the northern, very northern part of the northern hemisphere. And keeping in the northern hemisphere, Fred Olsen Cruise Lines, they've obviously just taken on their two new ships. Those ships have now officially joined the fleet mm-hmm. and um, they've announced the itineraries for Borealis, which is now on sale. Yeah, so um, just a quick backstory there. Um, Borealis and Bolette were um, purchased by Fred Olsen. They were the former uh, Amsterdam and Rotterdam from Holland America line. So uh, large and very highly reputable ships um, compared particularly to the existing, in terms of size, to the existing Fred Olsen fleet. They've actually now announced that they are withdrawing their older ships, Boudicca and Black Watch. So um, we missed it last week because we didn't have the podcast, but Bolette, um, her voyages went um, on sale last week. Um, she um, is actually doing some voyages from Dover, which is taking on pretty much what, what Boudicca's itinerary was, uh, but they've added in some um, extra voyages as well, and they're also going to be calling in Portuguese ports for a, for a period of time. Um, Borealis, she'll be actually sailing from Liverpool, which would be quite exciting. Um, yeah. Liverpool's a, a, a historic shipping port. Yeah, so it'd be quite um, quite something if you get an opportunity to do that. Um, and she's got voyages to the Mediterranean, to Norway, to Iceland, um, and basically is going to establish Fred Olsen um, in that Liverpool market as a home port for her. Um, and then the other two ships, uh, Bremer uh, and Balmoral, they'll continue um, with their planned itineraries once the cruise pause um, ends in 2021. Great wrap up there, Chris. And um, before we, we let you go, you've generally uh, put a video out over the weekend, but I think you've already got this one out. So tell us, uh, tell us what your video is about this week. This week, it's a look at uh, again where the where the cruise ships are now, but also taking into account um, which ones are going into longer term storage, where they've moved all of the ships um, in in sort of our our region because. Um, some time ago, there was an enormous cluster of ships in Manila, but that's no longer the case. There are many ships now in um, off the coast of uh, Malaysia and, and near Singapore. Uh, and also, which ones are starting to reposition to prepare for the redeployment in um, later this year or 2021? So quite a few um, ships have moved from their long-term storage locations to other, other areas where they'll be able to pick up itineraries next year. Incredible. I will be sure to put the link in the show notes. As always, Chris, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. We look forward to chatting you with again next week. Thanks so much, Barry. Speak soon. This podcast is not possible without the help of our good friends at cruisefinder.com.au. They have more than 30,000 different cruises live on their website, many with live availability and pricing. But most importantly, each and every call, chat and email is answered here in Australia by Australian clear accredited cruise specialists. So when you're looking for your next cruise, please consider the team at cruisefinder.com.au. And it's time to welcome back our very good friend with uh, all of his nautical knowledge from the years at sea. Pete, welcome back to the podcast. 
Thanks, Baz. You make me sound like an old pirate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do have to acknowledge, though, you're up for an award as part of the cruise industry at the moment. Tell us more. Oh, okay. That's off the cuff. Um, Yes. Uh, So, you know, part of my role is talent development or professional development, but uh, uh, they have a a global award, uh, which is uh, normally presented in Europe through the Sea Trade Awards, which is uh, across the whole maritime sector and uh, for for various uh, departments. So I've been shortlisted to three people around the world, um, recognising my efforts to talent development over the last 12 months. So it's it's, uh, very humbling, I have to say. Oh, much well deserved. Uh, very, you. very uh, well deserved. Yeah, we uh, got everything crossed for you for for that uh, important date. Now uh, we've asked you to come up with a few little topics uh, today. I thought we'd talk about five things you probably shouldn't ask the crew. <laughs> we shouldn't be limited to five, should it? No. <laughs> oh, look, it's it's so funny because as crew, you're obviously dealing with uh, multi- multitude numbers uh, weekly, if not uh, fortnightly, or even in my old days when I actually worked as a fitness instructor on Carnival Fantasy back in the late 90s with a nice hairdo and 30 kilos ago. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're dealing with a lot of passages on volume. And so you keep, it's funny which keep, you know, the questions that keep on coming up. So number five and my first one, and it's, you know, I know you said five questions not to ask crew. I mean, you can ask it, but it, geez, it irritates us. Do you sleep <laughs> on the ship? Oh no! Do they still ask that? They still ask that, <laughs> despite YouTube videos and everything. Uh, I still have a, a very close community of friends still working on board, and yes, it's still being asked. And you know, we used to have the old uh, no, we used to take helicopters ash- oh, a helicopter shoreside while you sleep. Oh, I thought I heard something last <laughs> night. You know that whole story, but uh, that's just a frustrating one. It's not a bad one. It's just frustrating. Okay, number four. Number four. Are you dating another crew member? Um, <laughs> you know, again, this is a quite a common one. Let, let's put it out there first of all. Um, dating any passenger is instant dismissal. No crew member will go there because, in the end, they've sacrificed a lot to be away from their families, take on a new career or a new job, even if it's short term or long term. They're not going to sacrifice that for this uh, occasion. Now, as far as uh, dating another crew member, of of course, it is uh, possible. It's allowable. I mean, the crew are living their life on board. So um, just like any other person uh, living their life, day-to-day cities and rural areas, um, you need a social life. And it is possible. But the reason why I don't think it's a question to ask, because I I just don't think it's anyone's business. I mean, if a crew member wants to tell you, they, they will or... Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's um, not, not. Yeah, it's not a relative question. I think. I mean, you. Yeah. Oh, it's not going to change your holiday. <laughs> no, it's not, and I, I just think it puts undue pressure on the crew member to, you know, I need to give good service. Do I have to answer this, even if they're not comfortable? I, I just don't think it's a right question. Fair enough. And number three. This was actually quite common. What is your food like? Do you eat leftovers? <laughs> Well, I have to say, look, the cruise lines take care of their crew exceptionally well. I mean, from not only food, but um, types of uh, learning opportunities uh, that are available on board to health, mental health, physical health uh, activities. 
they know that a happy crew is going to stay longer. So they're going to know not only their product better and the, the repeating uh, clients better. Um, they're just happy people. So they really take care of them. So what's the food like? Well, the crew have their own chefs, um, both officers and uh, general crew. Generally, there's one or two different uh, messes. And the food is really good, to be honest. Um, as far as leftovers go, well, no, we're not animals, but um, <laughs> sometimes a chef in a particular restaurant may come up with a certain dessert or something special for the occasion. And, and yes, there are extras. Sometimes they're placed, you know, in the middle of the night after the whole, you know, the um, night's finished as far as the, the passengers go because we have night shift crew. We have people who are working oh. through the night. We have uh, the casino guys. Um, those guys that are laid up at night. So, yes, they get their um, chef-inspired uh, cuisine, but they may have some extras that were available to uh, guests earlier, but uh, definitely not a leftover scenario, if you know what I mean. Of course. And number two? What's your pay like? <laughs> Again, I think, yeah, it's, it actually comes up quite a lot uh, because it's, it is one of those... Uh, misconceptions about the industry itself, uh, that the crew are underpaid and so forth. Look, f- you know, the crew choose to work there. If if it's something, if if the pay is not conducive to their needs, they won't work. It's simple as that. They're not forced to have to stay there. So yeah. it's a choice for crew and it's relative. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to use the Filipinos as an example because they are probably from a percentage-wise uh, the most um, embedded in in the, the workforce. They are the most nicest and friendliest people that give the greatest service. Their ethics around service and acumen is unbelievable. Maritime's in their blood. But they choose to work there uh, because the pay is actually provides for their whole family back at home. So they're missing their family. They, they work on cruises because here's an opportunity for them. So the pay question, I think not only is it probably not, you know, correct, it's relative as well. I mean, you know, yep. it's, it's, we all use it the way we use it. So, yeah, I, I just don't think um, it's an appropriate question to ask the crew. Yeah, well, you wouldn't ask your bank teller how much they were getting paid by the hour, would you? So, no, no, I don't ask you how you get your one point three million for your <laughs> one day, uh, one day, and number one. This is very common, and it's uh, it's true. Can I visit the crew? Dot dot dot, and it changes. Can I visit the crew areas? Can I visit the crew accommodation or your room? Can I visit the crew bar? Because everyone knows that the crew like to unwind in their own bar. They have a bar downstairs, but below deck. Um, because they need to unwind. Like I said, they live on board. But no, they will not let you in. First of all, you would stand out like a sore thumb <laughs> because everyone knows everyone uh, below decks because we're a family in, in the end. We're living together and, and moving together. And um, and it's just not on. It's just uh, even, even a selfish person who would entertain the idea there's other crew members that would be uncomfortable with people it's it's just a no 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 can i visit the crew areas do not ask <laughs> fair enough five good things uh, that i don't think i would ever ask myself but hopefully our <laughs> listeners will, will well, never uh, ever do the same it's, it, unfortunately it's out there but um yeah 
<laughs> always a pleasure Pete always great to have you on the podcast we look forward to you coming back next week with five other topics thanks mate when you're packing for your next cruise maybe consider a new pair of handmade sandals to go uh, Evolcus are handmade in Spain and sold with love here in Australia by sandalsandsunsets.com.au you'll find all the details in the show notes below And next up on the Big Cruise Podcast, we've got um, a lady that is often referred to by many as the Queen of the Danube. We'd love to welcome Sue Obermosa to the, the show, who is the Cruise Director for APT and Travel Marvel. Sue, a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've been following your podcast, actually, Baz. It's great. Ooh. A lot out of it. Loads of news that I otherwise wouldn't have had here in Europe. And uh, thank you for giving me the chance particularly to speak some of our past guests from APT and Travel Marvel. It's a great opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Now, before we jump into uh, your role and what you do um, for, for the APT brand, uh, tell us a little bit about where you've come from, what you've done in travel, and how, APT, how the APT family became part of your family. Well, actually, um, I'm from the UK, from Newcastle. I have lost my Geordie accent somewhat. No, you haven't. Yeah, I've lived here in Austria now for the last 30 years. So I came straight, uh, basically straight out of college and went straight into tourism. And I've been traveling around Europe and the world since and remained in tourism. I actually moved into the office for a few years when my daughter was born. So that was mainly project management. I missed oh. guests, the hand-on, the talking to the guests very much. So once my daughter went to university, the opportunity came up to work for APT on their cruises and Travel Marvel. And I jumped at the chance. That was 13 years ago. And I've never looked back since. It's a great job and a great company. Oh, brilliant. Um, 13 years on the, the waterways of Europe, you must have some incredible stories to tell uh, over that time. Um, first of all, let's talk about your role as a cruise director. For anybody that um, maybe hasn't done a cruise before, it's uh, quite an important role and uh, a very important role for the people, uh, the guests on board to, to kind of find out what's happening. Tell us about a typical day for you. Well, a typical day, actually, if you can't organize, you can't be a cruise director. That's the bit in the background, which um, we all have to do. You have to be brilliant at organizing. We have to organize the coaches. We have to organize the guys. We have to organize all those special events which are going on board, whether it's entertainment, whether it's uh, special places we take you to, concerts, for example, visits to local people's houses. That all has to be organized pretty much after the guests get on board, obviously. We're working beforehand, before people arrive, but we have to confirm everything very quickly. So that's a big part of the job is the organization. The other part of the job is should anyone need any kind of care in any way, that is down to the cruise director, myself and my colleagues. We make sure everyone feels comfortable, that uh, they know exactly where everything is, what they need. So there's two sides to it, the organizational side and very much the care side. Those are the two sides of our job. Typical day starts at six in the morning. We're up. Guests going to breakfast at seven. And uh, we finish after the entertainment in the evening. So we're around for you all the time until about 10 p.m. Fabulous. 
Now, during the course of a cruise or a typical day, is there one activity that is just um, your, your highlight of the, the week or the day or the cruise? Well, for me, uh, I have two particular things. One is the embarkation day, the arrival. All of those guests are coming on board. If they're new to us, they don't really know what to expect. And it's always a fantastic new start. This new start is also for the whole crew, everyone who's going to be taking care of you on board, from the chef, reception, the hotel manager, myself, my colleagues, the cruise director. It's very, very vibrant. So we are excited. The whole crew are excited because we have all these new guests and we're all ready to give them the cruise of a lifetime. Each and every time it's going to be different. Each and every time the guests are different. And this excitement coming across from the guests, the anticipation, and also the excitement of all of my colleagues on board the ship who are looking forward to making this the best cruise ever. There's something very, very special about um, the embarkation day, the new start. For me, that's an important day. And my other favorite thing on the cruises is we also do commentary on two stretches of the river in particular, on the Rhine, talking about the castles, and then also going through a beautiful area of Austria called the Wachau. And I love relating to the guests and all the stories of the places we are passing and doing the commentary on these particular days. Yeah, very much a highlight, for sure. Now, obviously, APT and Travel Marvel are very strong um, brands here in Australia, but obviously it is also sold elsewhere in the world. Does the demographic change, I mean, does the atmosphere change on board if there are more of one nationality or is it just consistent experience? Well, to be honest, uh, we, our guests mainly come from Australia and New Zealand. We do also have some British guests, so we speak English only on board, which I find myself personally much easier than having to do things in two languages for the guests. They can mm-hmm. constantly see exactly what's going on. They love mix, mixing with each other. Um, I would say our demographics uh, have changed a little bit. What's changed a little bit in the past is that we're getting more and more different age groups, actually, Baz. That's really oh, wow. coming, which is something which has changed how we organize things, what we offer, what we do for the guests. That's definitely changed in the last few years. Yeah, you can definitely see that in, in the brochures that come out now compared to, say, even 10 years ago, the, 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 the pictures of the younger people and sometimes multi-generation images as well for, for some companies. So I think River Cruising, yes, has uh, become appealable to a much wider wider audience. Do you think there's a particular misconception that surrounds River Cruising? Well, yes, I do, Baz, exactly that, that uh, when I'm speaking to friends and family, they do always ask me, oh, what's the age group? So uh, just as an example, I did a cruise myself with my family and I invited the whole family along. So that's from my mum and dad, who are actually 80, just turned 80 this year, and my brother, my sister. So they are in their 50s mid-50s. They brought along also their kids. So my youngest nephew is 19. And we had a fantastic time. We had a ball. I was on holiday myself. I wasn't working. And the whole family will tell you that's the best family holiday they've had. So from the 19-year-old up to the 80-year-old, we had a great time. So that's a misconception that a certain age group suits these cruises because anyone can have a great time on 
one of our cruises. Couldn't agree more. And I think multi-generation is going to become more and more of a big thing, particularly since we've all been uh, in lockdown to some degree uh, and different degrees. And so the chance to create new memories with your, your friends and family is definitely going to be a big part of what happens in 2021 and, uh, and beyond. Now, you live in uh, a beautiful part of the world. You live in Vienna, as you mentioned. Um, so I'm guessing that the Danube would have to be uh, your favorite river. Um, but if anybody had two days in Vienna, what would you recommend that they, uh, they do? Well, actually, there are a couple of things you really have to do in Vienna. In Vienna, APT Travel Marvel will show you, first of all, the heart of the city. We'll do that with you, for you. And then you have a better idea. What do I want to do now? What for me is a must is, first of all, a concert. The concert is an absolute must. This is really the capital in the world for music. And I know everyone says, oh, classical music. Some people, ah, don't do that. Not my thing. But um, I never forget my brother saying that as well. Of course, we said, you're coming. He came. <laughs> Standing up, clapping his hands, going crazy because he absolutely adored that light classical music. Strauss, for example, who was born here in Austria. Music which you will have heard all the time. You just didn't really put it down as real classical music. So a concert is an absolute must. Also, one of my favorite places is Schönbrunn. Schönbrunn Palace. Can do a tour there. Also, the gardens are magnificent. Anyone who likes gardens, then a good walk around Schönbrunn Gardens, or even you can take a little train around Schönbrunn Gardens. That, for me, is a place I go actually myself at least every couple of weeks. So Schönbrunn, for me, is important. There's something for everyone. I'm also a real museum buff. So we have thousands of museums here in Vienna. So that is also something for you too. But I would say having a cup of coffee in a real Viennese cafe, cafe house, that is also a must. That's right top of my list. Sitting, people watching, enjoying the special coffees we make here and having a delicious piece of and you must never, ever, ever go into a Starbucks in Vienna. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I was in, uh, I've been to Vienna many a time. And one of my favorite times was a couple of years ago, I took my daughter on a Christmas market um, river cruise. And she was very young at the time. But to go up to Schomburn Palace and uh, have all the, uh, the beautiful decorations out in the courtyard. And then we did the tour and then we came out as the, the, the Christmas lights were all coming on. And there was activities for the kids. Uh, you know, it's Vienna is a great city for anybody of any age, and particularly for the children who are in the build-up to Christmas. That's true. One of my favorite times of the year, too. Now, if we exclude the Danube, um, which would be your favorite river? After the Danube, whereby I have to say one of the favorite parts of the Danube for me is actually after Budapest, which one can also do with us. You can sail, continue to sail down from Budapest particularly good for people who've been here before. It's a different stretch. So from Budapest, going down through the east is very interesting. It's one of my favorite uh, stretches of river, if not the favorite. But my favorite river after the Danube is the Rhine River, of course. And I actually think, Barry, that uh, Austria is extremely well organized when it comes to advertising, particularly in tourism. It's a big business here in Austria. But I think that Germany gets a little bit overlooked, actually, because that river Rhine is magnificent. 
and there's such beautiful cities and particular smaller places along the River Rhine, the Rhine Gorge, I'm sure most people have heard of, the most, of the most uh, castellated, so the stretch of river, the most castles on it in the world, and some beautiful places we see on the Rhine River. I think it's a little bit underestimated, if I'm honest. Definitely my second favorite river after the Danube. Somebody once told me that the um, the Moselle was the most picture postcard perfect perfect river, um, just with the rolling hills and the image that you see on the front of most brochures. Is, would is that be correct, or have I misunderstood that? The river Moselle is also beautiful. The Moselle, uh, actually, we pass it when we go from Amsterdam to Budapest or reverse. We pass the Moselle River because it does join the Rhine. It's a short river. So it's actually part of, um, it's part of a cruise we do if you're doing the upper Rhine. So you would start in Basel. Basel in German, you start in Basel. Then you come down, you see totally different places and things to what you would see if you're doing Amsterdam to Budapest. And then APT and Travel Marvel turn off at Koblenz and they go down the Moselle. Very narrow, very picturesque. Having said that, we also have that experience uh, on the River Main, which is not as well known okay. as those three other rivers. Also very important. And if you had to choose a favorite port on, or, or village on any of the rivers, which would it be? Well, actually, my favorite ports um, are not so much the cities, but actually the smaller villages, some of them which most people haven't heard of. That is particularly a case on the River Main. So we have the River Danube. We join then the canal, the Rhine-Main-Danube Canal, and then we join the River Main. And on the River Main, that's a very narrow, very uh, secret little river. You can almost touch the houses, full of beautiful swans and some smaller places, such as uh, Würzburg. Würzburg is one of my favorite places we stop in actually, which is on the Mine River. Um, I'm sure not many people have heard about that. And no. this section which you're sailing on from Amsterdam to Budapest or Budapest to Amsterdam is for me a real highlight. It's the most relaxing part of the river. And my favorite places are tiny places like Miltenberg. Miltenberg is a very small village where we get off, we go under the travel marble, we meet local people, we APT, we have a different experience for you, but in both cases, you'll be meeting locals and learning local habits, things that the local people do. And for me, that's one of the biggest enhancements, actually, of the cruising. So this cruising, people choose it because they're going to see Vienna, they're going to see Regensburg, going to see Amsterdam, they're going to see Budapest. But I think the biggest surprise is how fantastic and how close you get to these smaller places and how close you get to the local people in those smaller towns. Sounds incredible. I think one of my favourites on the, the Danube was um, Dernstein, which is a, a very, very small village. There's uh, probably you know, two or three streets and a few wineries from memory, um, but I had a, a very pleasant experience uh, in that particular part of the world. That's a great tip, actually, walking through, uh, walking through Dernstein and having a look at the Rathaus, which is uh, the town hall, you can get married there, beautiful place. And yeah, like you say, on a good day, 600 inhabitants, great place for wine tasting. 
those smaller places which you probably wouldn't go to if you weren't on a cruise they they really do make that cruising experience what's the um the fruit um soaked in alcohol that um they sell around Dernstein? Well, this part of the this part of um, the Danube is the Wachau Valley, where you'll find Dornstein and also Melk with the magnificent Abbey, which we also visit. And uh, the whole stretch between Melk and Dornstein is, for me, the prettiest stretch on the Danube. We cruise directors do a little chat about it, and we'll also be telling you about those fantastic small apricots. They're called uh, Marie. So they're baby apricots and they do soak them in fantastic liquor, in schnapps. And my tip is also, if you are in Melk or Dornstein, then you definitely have to buy the apricot. You can buy it in a schnapps, which of course is tough stuff. Or you can actually buy a liqueur. And that's always my favorite tip when I'm there. I tell everyone, go and buy the liqueur. You don't know what to do for a dessert. Buy a little bottle of the liqueur. Pour it over vanilla ice cream and Bob's your uncle. You've got the best dessert in the world. Oh, good tip. I like that one. I'll be putting that in the show notes for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> most, I think here in Australia, we think of a river cruise as mostly a summer, maybe a spring activity. But of course, you can cruise on the waterways pretty much year round. Have you got a favourite season? And if so, why? Well, I have to say every season is very special. So from the beginning, when I go out there in the spring, I'm a real uh, flower and tree nerd, actually, I have to say, Baz. I adore wildlife, but even more so flowers and trees and nature. So the spring, everything's waking up. It's a fantastic time. It's quite cool. Summer, you come and it's going to be a lot warmer. Summer, of course, we're going through the change of the scenery. The autumn is, for me... In particular, my favorite time, it's my personal favorite time. At the moment, it's magnificent out there. The changing colors, of course, also the um, vineyards are all going from green to orange, yellow, bright red. Amazing time of the year. But of course, you know, if I lived in Australia, I'm sure I would be wanting to pop across here and go to the Christmas markets. I'm used to snow. I lived in a ski resort for many years. But if I lived in Australia, I know I would be desperate to get across there and build a little snowman. And the Christmas market <laughs> is something extremely special. So as I say, everything has something special about the season. Now, do you have a special place on the ship? Where's your favorite place on board the riverboats? Well, my favorite place is by far the sun deck. And um, I can go up there five o'clock in the morning and see something totally different to the time before, to the time before that. That's my favorite place. I adore the sun deck any time of the day or night. Also, I have to say, my own daughter, when she came on board, you could hardly get her out of the cabin. She adored to be on her own with a big panorama window in her cabin, just watching the world go by. So everyone has their favorite place. For me, it is certainly watching the scenery go by up on the Sunday. The only trouble is if you lock yourself in your cabin, you miss the castle on the opposite side of the river. You can only see one side from your cabin, that's true. <laughs> now, um, Travel Marvel had some exciting news earlier this year. They're launching some new ships into the fleet. Um, that must be very exciting as a cruise director to get some new hardware. What, 
Uh, tell us a little bit more about these new ships that are coming on board. Well, we are extremely excited, of course, about the three ships which they will be coming out at the same time next year for our Travel Marvel side, and that's going to be the Polaris, the Vega, and the Capella. So they are the brightest northern stars, and these three ships really are exactly that. They are our stars in our fleet. They have, uh, we've been working all the time in Australia and listening to the guests. We listen to the guests constantly. What would you like more? What do you need? What are you looking for? And there's some fantastic things on these new ships. For me, there's a rooftop garden. You see, they're listening to me too. There's a rooftop garden. We also have a very um, new concept. We have a bar at the aft of the ship. It's called Magiri's Bar. That is named after the family who own the company, particularly after the owner, Jeff Magiri. So we've got his bar in the rear, and that means you can chill out in the bar. You don't need to be with the majority of the guests who prefer the lounge. You can have a nice time there. You can also, this for me is something totally fantastic. Can you believe it? So long as you have an owner suite or what most of them are, French balcony stateroom, the window of your stateroom actually slides down completely into the floor. So you can go straight out through the window. The window disappears into the floor. That is something really oh, new, wow. something really exciting. Floor to ceiling window that slides down to an all-weather French balcony. So you can actually sit in the open air. Fresh air coming through your cabin. I think that's more and more important for people at the moment that they have that fresh air going through their cabins and the view without even a window in front of you. That's going to be a fantastic thing. Very excited about it. I like it. I like it a lot. Now, you um, you spend a lot of time on the water. I'm just curious, if, um, if you could go on holiday tomorrow, um, would you consider a cruise? And if so, where would you, where would you like to go to? Well, yes, of course, as I said, I even uh, invited the whole family to do a cruise with me. Uh, the company thought I was a bit crazy, as I do spend most of the time on there, but I thoroughly enjoyed it myself. I will definitely um, be doing more cruises. One of my favorites is actually not on the river. We also do small ships which sail on the ocean. We also have some yachts and one of my favorite destinations by far, which I'll definitely be doing the next time I go on holiday, will be Croatia. And we have a small luxury motor yachts going around Croatia. For me, for a very, very special holiday, it will be a special birthday for me, or let's say if you have a special wedding anniversary, then being on one of those yachts going from island to island, so never very far away from the shore, for me, that is a very special introduction, which we have with APT and Travel Marvel Croatia, going around those islands. Absolutely fantastic. That's where I'll be going next. Which, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful part of the world, I have to say. Uh, I was lucky enough to sail on board the Queen Eleganza, um, which is one of the, the two vessels that I think APT has in Croatia. And it is a, a very special place. Each island's got something different to offer. They, you know, Some are inspired by the Venetians, some are inspired by, by the Ottomans. It's just so much uh, history to take in when you're in that particular part of the world. Now, we've got a little fast fire round, um, so I'm just going to ask you a couple, series of questions and just answer with whatever pops into your head. Um, if uh, you could be anything, would you rather be a captain or a cruise director? 
definitely a cruise director. There is no way I could do those night shifts. There's no way I could <laughs> sail that ship into those narrow locks. I have, I'm always in awe of our captains. They stay with us. They have their own ship. Uh, we have the best. I have to say for us, our ships are worth a lot of money. Our clients are worth the most to us and their safety. And the captain, he does a brilliant job. I want to be the cruise director. I leave that to you. <laughs> now you have to answer this next one honestly. Does anybody really use the gym or the fitness room? Well, actually, Baz, I would say 10 years ago, nearly never. We even talked about, oh, should we really even have one? Since five years, lots of people are using the gym more and oh, wow. more and more. They really are. And even on top of that, uh, we have entertainers on board who stay on board with us. Those entertainers will also do some stretching with you in the morning, light exercises if you'd like to join them. We've also introduced more and more bike rides along the side of the river. So I would say fitness is becoming much more um, evident on our ships, which is something I'm very happy about. Yep, people use the gym, use the bikes, and also are up there at those fitness classes with our entertainers. That kind of leads into my next question, actually. I was going to ask, uh, would you choose to do a walking tour or a cycle tour? Well, I personally would do the cycle tour. You do have to remember that when one stretch, which is from Melk to Dunstein, the cycle tour is 32 kilometers. So I always say there are two reasons not to go on the bike tour. One is because your husband says you're definitely not fit enough to do it. <laughs> they say, yes, I am. I'm going to do it. The second reason is you really have to have been on a bike in the last year. So if you're coming out and you say, no, I really want to do some biking, the trails are fantastic. Bicycle trails here, the tracks are fantastic. Uh, do a bit of practice before you come would be my tip because you can't just get on a bike and go 30 kilometers straight away. But the walks are just as good. Of course they are. Now, you've had a busy day ashore. Would you prefer to have something a little bit lighter in McGeary's pub or would you prefer to go into the restaurants? Well, you know, food is such a big part of our holiday. We have excellent food in the restaurant. But, you know, after four, five, six days, and depending on how much you've eaten, you might just decide, I'm just going to have one day out. Just one day. So then I would pop into Magiri's and just have a very simple snack in the pub. Because, uh, yeah, we're all foodies. We all love it. We love the waiters around us. We have fantastic waiters on our ships and waitresses. And I think from 15 days on our cruises, I would probably pop into McGeary's once or twice, if I'm honest, and have a quiet evening with a small pub snack there. Sounds good to me. Now, I put this next one in because I honestly could not choose between the two. Bratislava or Dunstein? For me, if I had to choose one or the other, it would definitely be Dunstein. Because you're seeing quite a few cities and Dornstein shows you a totally other side of Austria. So you see the big city of Vienna and all of a sudden you see the tiny local lifestyle in Dornstein. Having said that, remember we have lots of guests who come more than once. They can choose the next time to go to Bratislava or choose the first time to go to Bratislava and the next time. I, I'm a big fan of Bratislava actually. It's only one hour away from Vienna. And I go there about once a month. Now, um, Budapest, most people don't realize it's actually two towns or two cities on either side of the river. 
Do you have a favourite? And if so, would it be Buddha or Pest? Well, I love the flat side. It's quite easy to distinguish between the two. The very flat side is Pest. I love Pest to do my shopping. And because they have the most magnificent, really magnificent market there, market hall. Uh, this market hall is something you don't see anymore in the whole of Europe. Ground floor as you walk in, beautiful architecture as you walk into it, brick building from over 100 years ago. And when you walk in, you see all the fruit, the vegetables, the locals doing their shopping. That is where they do their shopping. Upstairs on the first floor, you'll get all the local lace, uh, local leathers. So I love the Pest side for the shopping and the market. Having said that, the prettier side and the more historical side for me is the Buddha side. The Buddha side is the hilly side. That's where up there you have the fisherman's bastion. And it's also where you have by far the best view because the Danube goes straight through the center of Buddha and Pest. It's separating Buddha, the former city of Buddha, from the former city of Pest. So there's no city anywhere else where you have such a fantastic view of the river coming past you. And the best view you get is from the Buddha side, from the Fisherman's Bastion. And of course, Travel Marvel and APT, they take you up there and make sure you get the best photographs possible. Sounds good. Um, Christmas markets or spring tulip festival? Well, I already told you, flowers <laughs> are mine. So for me, it has to be the spring and the tulips. And actually, I just had a, a lovely message two days ago from the director of uh, Koikenhof, or Kuchenhof, as we say it, which is where you can visit if you come in the spring with APT or with Travel Marvel. And then you have the chance to see fields, and I mean fields of tulips. They replant them. And the message from him was that they have the very first uh, tulip bulbs have just arrived. They've just been delivered there and they're starting to plant them. So they're definitely getting ready for spring 2021. So for me personally, that is my favorite. But we've already, especially traveling with the family, Christmas markets, especially if you're from Australia, you want to see a bit of snow, you want to experience that coldness and you want to have a lot of fun, then Christmas markets is the time to come as well. I was also lucky enough to go to Kirkenhoff a couple of years ago as well. And you see pictures of these fields and the photographs just don't do it justice. You almost need to see it from the air. There is just this vibrant color that stretches as far as the eye can see. And uh, if anybody wants to go back and do a European river cruise, make sure you go back in springtime because from memory, they only open for about eight to 10 weeks or so. That's right. And, uh, you know, people say, oh my goodness, will the tulips be out? Has it been a cold winter? Has it been a... A warm spring. They are so well organized there, you will see. They have flowers for that whole period of time during the spring everywhere. It's magnificent. Like a patchwork quilt. <laughs> now, this is a question that I get asked quite a lot, actually. And um, I don't think there is a right or a wrong answer, but I, I just thought I'd throw it out there. Obviously, you can cruise Amsterdam to Budapest or the reverse, Budapest to Amsterdam. Um, which way would you recommend? You know, I've done it obviously both ways. Uh, it's something people frequently ask me. I think it depends, Baz, what you want to do before or afterwards. Because remember, uh, it's not to forget that once you get off a cruise, you may like to continue with us, for example, to Prague. You would be doing, if you want to do Prague at the end of your cruise, then you will go from Amsterdam to Budapest and then 
We will take care of you and take you then to Prague at the end. You may want to see Amsterdam before. You may want to see Paris before and then join the cruise. So I think it also depends on where you want to fly from. If you're visiting relatives before, which many people are, many people from Australia and New Zealand have relatives in Europe. And I think from that you decide which direction do I want to do it in. Depends what you're doing before. As I say, you can do, do a pre-stay with us, with APT and Travel Marvel, or what you want to do afterwards. You could go off to Prague. It just depends in which order you want to do it. You will see absolutely everything, no matter which direction you go in. Good answer. Diplomatic as well. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> you've, you've had a lot of um, you've had a lot of guests travel with you over the years, and I think some of those may be listeners to the podcast. If uh, you had anything that you wanted to say to the, the past guests and even the future guests that are, are currently planning and looking through the brochures and thinking about what they might do in 2021, um, do you have a message to them? Well, yes, for our past guests in particular, I do have actually photographs of any guests who've cruised with us before and they come back. And I just happen to be, of course, one of the cruise directors. But they have frequently cruised with me before. So to anyone who's uh, with myself or my colleagues, I would like to say thank you very much to you for coming back. Actually, more people return than we expected in the beginning. And uh, we're very grateful to all of you for doing that. They know already that there's plenty out there for them to do um, with APT and Travel Marvel, lots of different cruises. Just keep coming back. The crew will be very happy to welcome you. I'd also like to say that more and more People are doing their own thing. So particularly for guests who haven't done a cruise before, a river cruise. Remember, it's totally different to being on one of those big ships. Every time a ship stops, this was very important to my family when we did the family holiday. Every time one of our cruise ships stops, as soon as we're docked, you can get off. You can go for a walk. There's no waiting in long queues, no checking, no nothing. You are free to get off and go for a walk yourself whenever we dock. And that's very important, I think, for future, for our future um, new clients, new um, guests who are coming along, because they may think, oh, it's all organized and I don't want to be so organized and it's all excursions. That's not true anymore. We really have uh, found out a lot that people are doing their own thing. So remember that if you want to come, you want to do half and half. It's very easy on a river cruise to do your own thing and go off on your own. And cruise directors are there exactly to explain to you which direction you go in the fastest to get the most out of your stay in each port of call. Brilliant advice. And um, I know um, lots and lots of people are looking and are planning uh, their, their holidays for 2021 and even beyond into 2022 because obviously we, we've pretty much lost the whole of this year. So uh, everything's kind of just moved forward a year. And uh, there's going to be a, a hell of a lot of people um, heading to Europe as soon as we do get the, the green light from the, the local Australian authorities here. So it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, always a delight, and you've always got so much information to share about uh, not only your beautiful hometown of Vienna, but, of course, all the various waterways that you work on. Um, I can't wait to, to, to get on a river cruise again soon, and I certainly hope that uh, you'll be my cruise director when I do so. I would love to do that, Baz. It's great uh, to hear you. As I said, I will be listening your podcast i think it's a fantastic thing you're doing and hello from all of my colleagues the whole crew on board the ships as well we are just ready and waiting and we can't wait 
for you to get here again. So you have a look through those brochures, spend the kids' inheritance, and get yourselves out here. That's what we're waiting for. Looking forward to it. Sounds fabulous. Once again, Sue, absolute pleasure. Thanks again. And um, maybe we'll come and bring the podcast to you and we'll do a, a podcast from the River Cruise next time. Who knows? <laughs> Thanks again. Always a pleasure. Speak soon. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.